0: What's up, everybody? Bradley with the Insurance Guys podcast here. Before we get started with this episode, I want to talk to you about this week's sponsor. If you pay any attention to the independent agency channel, you know there's no hotter buzzword right now than VAs or virtual assistants. This week's sponsor, I'm proud to say, is CoverDesk, who offers an innovative client solution for agencies to outsource client-facing VAs. Created by agency veteran Andy Priesman, owner of Greenway Insurance. People, this is not your typical VA company. They offer a proven system of recruiting highly educated virtual assistants, ensuring consistent performance for your agency. With their experience, they're able to help you design a program that is just right for you and your agency. They implement by onboarding and training each VA in foundational insurance skills. Visit CoverDesk on the web at www.coverdesk.com or email them at hello at coverdesk.com Or you can call them and tell them that the insurance guys sent you. Please do at 512-879-3345. Guys, give Coverdesk a ring. I promise you you will not regret it.
1: Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Scott Howell, and the incomparable Bradley Flowers. For agents by agents we're here to share real-life experiences, tips, and insights related to all aspects of both being an insurance agent and running a successful agency. So sit back, turn up the volume, and let's get down to business. Insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. I am your fearless host and leader, Mr. Scott Howell with I Protect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. Before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome. He is a 6 foot 3 sophomore from Saraland, Alabama. Parade first team all-American Rivals five-star recruit, guest speaker at VaynerMedia's Agent 2021 conference coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, he is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Please help me welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm great, Scott. How are you? I can't tell you how proud I am of you. I want to walk over there and kiss you on the please, mouth
0: right now. Please don't do that.
1: Guys, before we get started on this podcast today, let me tell you this. That would be the end of our podcast if you did that. <laughs> Our mission on this podcast is to help you in any way we can. That is sales, service, marketing, digital, accounting, hiring, firing, and here it comes, guys compensation plans, processes, and procedures. I'm giving you guys a hint what we're going to be talking about today, but before we get started, let me introduce our very, very special guest, and I am fired up about having him on this podcast today. He is a native of Lanesville, Indiana. He currently lives and resides in Charlotte, South Carolina. He has a beautiful, beautiful wife named Alexandra, probably more beautiful daughter named Poppy, he is the president of Mapus Insurance Agency. He's been in the industry since 2005, and he's worked for both regional and national carriers in different roles. His keys to success, do what you say you're going to do. Who does this sound like, Bradley? Do what you say you're going to do. Tell the damn truth. Work hard and be respectful. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the other incomparable Mr. Andrew Muller. How are you, Andrew?
2: Hey, guys. Thank you so much. Um I gotta make a correction. You said Charleston, North Carolina. Or oh, you said Charlotte, South Carolina. You said Charlotte, South Carolina. That's what it was. <laughs> it's Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, my, so that's all right. Yeah, my char- apologies. Charlotte's about four hours away. No
1: uh, problem. Oh well, I apologize for that. But man, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm excited to have you on. I love having people on the podcast that have been in the industry for a while, and I love talking to our 250,000 agents that are listening to this around the world about something that we haven't really discussed in the past at all. And today, I think one of the things that we're going to talk about is employee compensation plans. We're going to talk a little bit about your process and procedures as well. Uh, But before we get started in all that, let's roll back the DeLorean and go back in our time machine for just a second. Tell our audience how you got started in the insurance industry and kind of work your way up until today.
2: Well, so um, I'll try to make, make it quick. I somewhat grew up, well, I did grow up in an insurance family. Both my dad and my stepmom were always in the insurance business, my dad on the life, life insurance side, and then my stepmom was on the carrier side, working as claims adjuster, claims manager, you know, all the way up through her entire career with auto owner's insurance. So I've had the, uh, the great opportunity of going out on claims with her when I was really small, as well as going to visit agencies. And what got me stuck on the insurance industry, specifically on the agency side, is every time we would go to an agency, it seemed like the owner was never there. And I always asked, well, okay, well, where are they? And the answer was always either they're golfing, they're at their beach house, or they're on a trip that they won from an insurance company. So I said, that is what, exactly what I want to do. I want to own my own agency one day.
0: So, that is that is very um, parallel to my story. That That's kind of what happened to me. <laughs> I like, all the guys I knew who played golf every day when I was in high school were insurance agents.
2: Yeah. So so that was the initial reason why I got wanted to go into the business, not really understanding it. But, you know, as I grew older, I started to understand the business and seeing the claim side of things and really seeing how, um, as an agent, if you're a good agent, you can really change the lives of, of a family after a claim by making sure they're insured properly. Or if if you see the, the opposite of that, where the agent didn't do such a good job, you can see where it can devastate a family at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I saw that growing up. And then so after graduating from college, I got a job with a company called Amica Insurance, as a claims adjuster. And Amica's national carrier, more of a, they don't work in the independent agency system. But it was a great learning opportunity and a great way to start out, getting to understand the business, handling claims. I did all types of claims, bodily injury, property damage claims, liability claims, I handled them all, all personal lines. And it just became very, very, I I learned very quickly that there are so many people out there that were just, Improperly insured, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to change that and try to help as many of those people as I could. So, I jumped onto the agency side of the business after a few years of understanding the business, and so went to work for a local agency here in Charleston that gave me an opportunity. Uh, the owner took a took a chance on me, and I just appreciate it so much for that because otherwise, uh, everyone else is telling me no. They're saying, you know, you've got to have experience. I'm like, well, I've Got experience, but I don't have sales experience. Right. Like, just give me a chance. I can prove to you. I can prove to you. I know the type of person I am, and so he gave me that chance. And so did a lot of commercial insurance. Unfortunately, that agency got bought out by a national broker, and so I went to another agency. <laughs> that agency got bought out by a national broker, and so I just kept saying, "Like, Gosh, man, I can't <laughs> let anybody else dictate my future." And that's yeah. what was happening. I was like, "Okay, why did I get into this business?" I was mm-hmm. like, I wanted to own my own agency. So I literally set out, gave myself a two-year window to say, okay, let's find an agency that I can go to work for for maybe three or four years and then have the opportunity to purchase it. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a really big proponent and big person of the big I, our state big I and national big I, Independent Insurance Agents Association. And so I went to our association here in South Carolina and sat down with them and say, hey, can you all help me find an agency that meets my wants? Mm-hmm. And it was being in Charleston, older owner that was looking to retire in the next few years, heavy on the personal line side. They basically were like, Oh, we've got the perfect agency, Teddy Mappus, Mappus insurance. And so I literally cold called Teddy and we sat down and literally for six months, we sat down every single week. We just strategized a plan. And so I went to work for him, but when I went to work for him, We literally had the purchase price already set and the date that I was going to buy the agency from him, which was about 18 months later on his 65th birthday because he was like, I'm retiring at 65. So this was back in 2015 when I purchased the agency. And uh, since then, it's been a fun ride so Mm -hmm. far. We've been growing like crazy. We've been adding people. We've added a second location and we're actually in the process right now. I've got boxes all in my office because we're moving to a new location. We're somewhat outgrowing our current one. So that's the quick and dirty talk, story.
0: To a couple things. One, talk about how important it was for you to have all of that drawn out before you started. Because I know of someone oh, in a similar situation that did not do that, and the owner never retired. <laughs> and oh, and my gosh. and it's yeah, it that, led, that never I, happens. It led to the person yeah. getting the person who was supposed to buy the agency basically getting out of the business. And secondly, I think you were on either Ryan or Joey's podcast. Talk a little bit about how you financed the purchase oh, yeah. of that agency because it intrigued <clears> me. Because I think the bank that you use is actually based about five minutes from where we're recording right now.
2: Okay, so you, you had asked a few things there yeah. before I did anything. I'm, I'm a very methodical, detailed, I want to know the answers. I want to know if this doesn't happen, what will happen? And if that happens, then what's going to happen from there? So and I try to plan as much as I can. So, I mean, I wrote like a 30-page business plan that I took to Teddy to show him because he didn't, like I said, he didn't know me from anyone. So he's like, why should I sell my agency to you? Like, I don't know you. <laughs> and so I had to prove to him why he needed to sell to me. And my main sell to him was, I want to keep the Mapus legacy going. You know, you sell to someone else, you're just going to get gobbled up and the Mapus name's going to be no more. Probably your staff is going to be no more. That's just what happens. And he still lives here in our community. And so I want to make sure that he can still walk around holding his head up, knowing that he had sold to the right person. So I had to sell Teddy first on what I plan to do. And so you've got to be very very detailed in that. You can't just go in and say, oh, I'm just going to start writing all these policies and we're going to grow. You know, you've got to have some a written plan. The second thing was before I went to work for him, we signed a legal contract on what I was going to buy the agency for, when I was going to buy it. We left some of the terms open just because there was, were some unknowns,
0: some variables. but
2: there was a chance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a chance we were both a risk. We were both taking from my side. I'm jumping into this thing like, wow, like what if we lose a, a bunch of accounts or something right. happens and I'm still forced to pay him this, this amount of money from his side. He's like, well, what if I can get more in 18 months for the agency than what I'm agreeing to now? But at the end of the day, we both agreed to it and we were both happy with it. And a lot of people say, you know, the best deal is the one where both people are agreeing to it. It doesn't matter what other people think or what people say in terms of what something should be valued. It's valued at what two people agree to. Mm -hmm. Um, So we agreed to it. So in terms of the actual deal, some pieces of the deal was that all the business that I wrote from when I joined to when I took over the ownership obviously didn't factor into the pricing of the agency. right? uh, Because we set the pricing based on the book of business when we were negotiating up front. And so I basically said, okay, I've got 18 months to write as much business as I can just to help pad the bottom line. And so whenever I go to get my financing, I can use all this extra revenue to support Mm -hmm. the purchase price. So I was strategically thinking ahead of that. And then moving into the financing piece, the group that I used called Midwest Business Capital. So they're actually based out of Ohio. They specialize in doing, so this was an SBA loan that I initially did. And so there are obviously a lot of banks out there that can say that they do SBA loans, but I can tell you this right now. If you're looking at getting an SBA loan, don't just work with someone who specializes in them. First off, don't just work with someone who can do just do them. you got to work with a specialist because it's a grueling process. Mm -hmm. But number two is really work with a bank or financial institution that has worked with other insurance agencies before. Trying to sell a bank on a book of business and the revenue with no supporting collateral, you know, tangible assets is tough if, unless they've done it before. So that's why I went with Midwest Business Capital. And so whenever I did the deal with Midwest, I promise you I didn't, when I bought the agency, I did not put a single dime of my own money into buying the agency. I have not once put any of my own money into the wow. agency. I leveraged the SBA loan. Within that loan, I was able to get about $40,000 of cash back to me at the closing. I also knew that our, our closing took place in January. And I knew that in March, I, that the agency was going to be getting a large contingency check from Travelers Insurance. And that was another part of the deal that you got to make sure you put out in the front contingency checks who gets it you know if you sell at the end of a year which a lot of transactions occur the end or the beginning of the year you know technically that contingency is based on that prior year if it's not spelled out in your contract in your agreement that prior owner could say that that's his Mm -hmm. so you got to be careful with that too and we had spelled that out you know anything beyond the date of our closing was part of the agency, part of mine. So I knew I was going to get some additional money coming in pretty quickly for the agency. I had my own money on the side if I needed it, but I'd never put any of my own money into the agency. I mean, it was all hard work and sweat equity, specifically in that first 18 months, building up that revenue and that revenue stream. So I knew that we were going to have all this additional income coming in to support expenses and whatnot. And I knew that the existing book of business, whenever I did buy it, supported paying off the loan every month as well. So I've never once stressed out about paying any bills at all, because I knew the numbers, I knew what to expect, I knew the revenue coming in, I, I worked my butt off writing new business. And so I just knew it was all coming in. And, so I, and then about 18 months after the initial SBA loan, I refinanced with a local bank. I sold them on the idea of reoccurring revenue, so I was able to just refinance non s b a amazing terms, so now I'm even sitting in a in a better position right Did, now.
0: Didn't so. I hear you say that was service first bank?
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. that one service first, which yeah. is in your own backyard, yeah, they yeah. are yeah that's one, yeah, so. And that the cool thing about service first is that at least here locally in South Carolina, you know, they're, they're willing to listen. You go to a lot of these bigger banks, they're like, well, we need collateral. We need, yep. we need tangible assets. It's all about on and paper. I, I,
0: what's it look like on paper? What's the, you know? Yeah.
2: And so I didn't even, even with my service first bank note, I didn't have to put the, the, the collateral is literally the business. I did not have to put my, my house as collateral or anything, which I did on the SBA note initially just in case something happened. But, uh, but that's not tied into my, my current note right now. So I was able to work that out of the deal too. So I was taught very early by one of the best insurance brokers I've ever met in my life. Everyone should look her up. Her name's Maureen Gallagher.
1: I've heard that name Assured before.
2: Partners. She's with Assured Partners up in Michigan. And she looks like Kathy Griffin, like literally looks just like Kathy Griffin. <laughs> it's hilarious. But she's honestly... She is the most technical and knowledgeable insurance broker I've ever met in my life. And what she taught me, she taught me this through asking underwriters for things, but I just apply it to everything in life. And it's basically, you ask for everything like it's Christmas. You ask, ask, ask. You ask for every coverage, every endorsement that you want. You just keep asking for all this stuff, and then maybe they'll, they'll peel back some of it, but at the end of the day, you're probably going to get most of it.
1: So, so, so let, me st- let, me, let me stop you right there, Andrew. Tell me exactly, like, okay, Maureen Gallagher is the lady that we're talking about right now. Tell our audience, kind of, how did you find her? And, like, was she helping you navigate the waters of buying this particular agency while you were going through that process? Is that what happened?
2: No. um, Actually, so I got connected with Maureen through the second acquisition. Okay. So I worked for an agency called Nice Lukens. Okay. And nice Lukens, I, I opened up their first South Carolina office. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know about a year into it, they sold to Assured Partners. Mm. So shortly after I left, and that's when I joined Mathis. But when I was at nice Lukens and then certainly Assured, I got to work with Maureen on a lot of really cool accounts. Mm-hmm. She basically is like the work Comp Goddess. I mean, she knows everything about workers' compensation. Right. She actually runs a program where you can get a it's called CWCC certified workers' compensation counselor through. She she has she runs her own insurance academy, and she just goes around the country as, as, as on top of managing probably like a two million dollar revenue book of business. Mm-hmm. She has this academy on the side where she goes around and teaches all this work comp stuff to mm-hmm. both agents and large employers. So. I mean, I learned so much from Maureen. Mm-hmm. She created a great relationship because I would land these appointments with these really large commercial accounts right. and say, hey, Maureen, I want you to come down and help me on this account so she could help me, help us win the account. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I'm telling you, she's like unreal. And so I got to work with her on accounts. I just got to know her really well. Mm-hmm. But she's on a side note, she's really big into fitness and running and so am I. So we had a connection there. She's just was a, has been a mentor of mine, mm-hmm. somebody that you know, I still look up to and and follow her and try to learn from her, both insurance and non-insurance.
1: Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit today. I I want to. I don't want to run out of time before we have a chance to talk sure. about something that I think can benefit a lot of agencies out there, a lot of agency owners, and, and quite frankly, a lot of associate agents as well. I want to talk a little bit about employee compensation plans and specifically how you structure your employee compensation plans, what that looks like in terms of of your agency to try to benefit these agents that are listening to the podcast.
2: Yeah, so we basically started this profit sharing plan, profit mm. sharing program, um, and the reasoning for starting it was we, you know, at Mathis, we, we've just been growing so much, mm-hmm. and as the lead agent, as the president, as you know, the visionary for the agency, you can only do so much. Like you cap yourself out, and you can only answer so many questions to your staff. Right. I mean, you can't do, you can't ride all this business and then answer all these questions and then still have time in the day to do all these other things that you want to do. It's mm. impossible. Mm. Or you're going to go crazy. You're going to burn out. It was like a revolving door in my office of people coming in and asking questions. And, and these were questions that I feel like they could answer mm. and that they knew them. It, but they, I feel like they had to get justification and, and they wanted to just... Make sure they're doing the right thing. And so I basically said, I'm going to give you guys authority. You can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want as long as you think it's the right thing to do. But you've got to take ownership to it. Basically, I said, I want you to think like an owner. And I'm going to reward you by paying you like an owner and paying you some of our profit. You know, we've got a, a really nice 401k plan. Every, you know, people are on salaries and our sales staff, they're on good compensation plans. But they felt I felt like, as the owner, the only way you could think like an owner is if you had skin in the game. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, from here on out, you're basically your salary freezes for the service team. Your mm-hmm. salary freezes, and the only way you're going to get a raise is through our profit-sharing plan. Mm-hmm. So you have to help make the agency more profitable in order for you to get more money. Mm-hmm. You need to think like an owner. You need to think like... I would think, and not just, oh, well, yeah, we lost that account, well, but we, we wrote it for 10 years. That was 10 good years we wrote that account. Sorry to see them go. Right. I'm like, hell no. No. Right. We're going to fight for that account. We're going to keep it. That's revenue. Right. That's revenue. And, that's gonna, and I, want, I want everyone to feel that because I certainly feel it as the owner. You know, If we lose an account, you know, if everyone's on salaries and, and nobody's pay changes, whether we make uh, you know, a 10% profit or a 30% profit, the only, the only pocketbook that's changing is mine. Mm-hmm. And that just irritates me because that's like other people dictating what you're going to make. So I said, okay, we're all going to be under a similar compensation plan. So what we do is I take last year and this year, it's 15% of our profit. And just to kind of visualize this, let's just say and we do it on a quarterly basis. So let's just say for the quarter. So it's a quarterly was, bonus. It's a quarter, yeah, and it's paid out quarterly in cash. It's not like a deferred compensation plan, like a 401k that gets put into an account and you won't see it till you know you're 65 or 70. No, this is like straight up cash that they're getting every quarter. It's a instant, instant gratification for them. We take 15 percent of profit for the quarter. Let's just say a simple math here, $50,000 of payroll for that quarter. Let's just say there were five employees. They all five had $10,000 of payroll. They would each get a percentage of their payroll to the overall payroll. So 10,000 divided by 50,000, 20%. So they would each get 20% of whatever went into that bucket for the profit for that quarter. Now, obviously the payroll is not all equal, one person might get 20 percent, somebody 15, somebody 10, you know, just all depends. So the person
0: with but the higher salary gets a higher percentage of the bonus. That's how you work it out.
2: Yes, I've had conversations with that as to, well, does that mean that they worked harder than the others, getting less of the profit share?: No, it doesn't. I mean, that person making the least amounts, obviously, they're getting the least amount of the profit, but they could be the hardest worker. So you could say, okay, we're just, it's going to be evenly distributed. I personally just do it the other way because in my agency, the way people are paid is based on their responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So that person that is making mm-hmm. the most is, in my agency, doing the most work. And right. they're the most important. Is so that like the salespeople? Except the salespeople, yeah. So this is all service. Mm-hmm.
0: So your salespeople get commission.
2: Um, uh, yeah, yeah. They're on their own deal, and they, we've got little special things for them on the side. So they're all separate. This is strictly for the service team.
0: Gotcha. So I'm sure you have certain KPIs that you monitor to make sure that they're yep. firing on all cylinders. What, yep. what are some of those KPIs?
2: Each month we sit down and we, we have what we call agency health status. We go over all of our lost business and we go over why we lost it. And we've got it up there like who the CSR was, whose accounts were these. And, and we just literally go through them and say, why were they lost? I mean, a lot of them, unfortunately, a lot of them are because the homes sold. You know, this is a hot real estate market here, so we're losing a lot of accounts just because they're being sold uh, and we certainly were, we pick up some of them, but not all of them. but you know, if it's an a o r or pricing, well, who do they move to? Why do they leave did they did they go to a company that we represent? What did you do to keep that account? So we go through all that stuff, and that leads to the individual re- retention rate, which plays a role. We average about a 96 to 97% retention rate throughout the agency. That, that plays a role into it. And then we also just do the overall task completed for that month.
0: It's number the, of tasks?
2: Number of tasks completed. Okay. We do number of policies renewed that month. And then we also do this, the overall premium volume that month, broken out for each CSR, and then we compare it to the previous month. If somebody's like, wow, I felt like I was super busy this month, we'll look at those numbers and then we'll compare it to last month and say, oh, well, because you had 20% more renewals this month than last month or you completed 200 more tasks. But if it was lower, it's like, well, why do you feel like you were more busy? You actually did 15% fewer tasks than last month and you never Mm -hmm. said the same thing. It's a good conversation starter as well and figure out what's going on.
0: Obviously, the the ultimate goal in this is to change the think and the mindset of your service people. When you implemented this, how soon did you notice a change, whether it be minute or or large? How soon did you notice a change? And also, did you get any pushback? Did you have anybody that said, you know what, I think this isn't a good fit for me anymore? Did you have any of that as well?
2: I think we noticed the change when everybody got their first check. (laughs) That was (laughs) when they were like... Oh crap! This is what we're doing this far.
0: <laughs> this is real.
2: Um, yeah. So that was whenever we really saw the change. What was the second question?
0: Did you get any pushback?
2: I wouldn't say. I would say no. We didn't get pushback, but I just was just challenging them more yeah. mentally and making them have to make decisions and think about things. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say pushback, but I don't know what I would call it. <laughs> now, did you did you uh, did
0: you lower their salary and then say we're going to do this to make up the no, gap? Or no. so so to them it looked like a. Opportunity for bonus, basically.
2: Oh, certainly, certainly. And then that leads to, well, what about the next year? If Mm. everybody's just constantly staying, like, Mm frozen at this salary. I'm not against to increase in a salary, but my rule is unless you come to me and you give me, like, solid evidence and prove to me that you deserve a higher salary, then I'll consider it.
0: You but sort other of, than that,
2: I mean, I'm not going to do it.
0: You sort of figured out a way to pay commission to your service people is that's, what you've done. That's exactly what he did. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: Hey, yeah.
0: hey, so, Andrew. And
2: we we used to pay commission, and we still do a little bit, but it's part of the profit sharing plan as well.
1: Andrew, right. I, I've got a couple of questions for you here. First question, the profit sharing program and then just your, your total employee compensation plan across the board – is that something that you just came up with, like went to a quiet place for a few days and kind of designed this yourself? Or did you kind of jump on the back of some other people that, like you said earlier, were maybe mentors of yours in the world of insurance and, and just kind of designed it with them? How did you come up with it?
2: Yeah, no, that's a great question. First off, I don't think there's, there are any new creations or inventions in this world. <laughs> Everything is based on something
0: somebody uh-huh.
1: else has
2: done. And that's my opinion.
1: Andrew, uh, yeah. Andrew, um, I want to stop you right there. In 1999, I was part of a, a publishing company in Tuscaloosa, Alabama called Randall Publishing. There was a gentleman that owned that. His name was Pettis Randall. And he told me one time, he said, there are no new ideas, which kind of falls in line with what you're saying right now. You know, everything's already been sorry. thought of. Right. Go, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah,
2: so, so this is actually a really cool story as well. So again, I grew up in Southern Indiana. hmm Across from Louisville, Kentucky. And so my brother worked for a bank. He was their secretary and dealt with their stockholders. And the bank had gotten sold to another one. And so one of their shareholders was coming in to pick up some shares information on it. And um, my brother noticed that his address said Sullivan's Island, South Carolina, which is literally two miles from my house. Mm -hmm. I live right by the beach in Mount Pleasant. And so my brother told me. And so I looked the guy up on the tax records and sent him a handwritten letter just saying hey I grew up in southern Indiana see where you have some stock up there and you bank and like you apparently used to live there I actually looked him up and it turns out he was in the insurance business he owned a wholesale agency and right there where I grew up in New Albany Indiana and so I thought it was so cool and I, I just wrote this, wrote him this letter and said hey I just want to get together just to meet you and because we both live down here you know 800 miles away whatever it is and so he got my letter called me up and we got together and we just started talking and this, his name's Tony Glotchback.
0: He had
2: a super successful wholesale agency that specialized in trucking and transportation all over the country. They were pushing about 50 million in premium around when he sold it, when he was going to retire to move down here. So he was a super successful. And so we've over a lot of weeks and months, uh, we got together and he was just telling me how he did it. And he said, you know what, when we grew the most and what made me the most money ever was when I implemented this profit share program. Mm. He's like, I was giving away so much money. I was writing so many big checks to my employees and I couldn't have loved it anymore because Mm. they were just making the business grow that much more. And they were just putting that much more back into my pocket. So he was, and he was giving out 25% profit share. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dude, Tony, I don't think I can do 25%. That's a lot, especially to start out with. Mm -hmm. Um, so Tony Tony helped me put this plan together. I used his as a blueprint, but mm-hmm. I certainly changed some things. He, his was a lot more sophisticated than mine. Mine, I pay it quarterly, wow. and I pay it for the previous quarter. But the way that we do it, it always keeps a carrot dangling out, which is important. So whenever the quarter ends, I've got 30 days to calculate everything, mm-hmm. and then I can let them know at that 30 days. Mm-hmm. So. Thirty days I, I have to calculate everything, and then by day sixty, I have to tell them what they're going to get mm-hmm. and then day ninety, so we're now three months past the quarter is whenever I pay them right. for that previous quarter. but then, right when that happens, another quarter's ending so every thirty days there's something I'm either calculating the figures every sixty days they're finding out what it is that they're going to be getting and then getting paid every ninety, mm-hmm. but it's for a previous quarter, so right. you have to have to still be at the agency obviously so there's always a carrot dangling out there whether it's this is what i'm beginning to get in 30 days and this is what i'm getting so that's really important but uh tony glotchback amazing person and he's also helped me consult with other agency stuff as well well
1: Um, shout out to tony for helping you with that because that in a lot of ways changed your life instituting the profit sharing has allowed you know your agency and your people to take the ownership that we just talked about and kind of added rocket fuel to the growth of your agency. And without that, I don't know if, if you would be where you are
0: today. And and one thing I like about that is one way I like to look at the insurance industry and in my own business too is You know, a lot of times in insurance, especially, we do things because it's the way that they've always been done. But I think as agents, we need to look at our businesses like they're not an insurance agency. I can't remember who it was. It was was somebody we've had on the podcast. It was Matt and Zach, actually, is who it was with GNN Insurance. They hired this consultant to come in and look at their business, this coach. And he's like, why in the hell are you doing it this way? Well, that's the way the insurance industry, you know what I mean? And this pay plan, I guarantee yeah. you a lot of agents are listening to this right now, shaking their head, uh-uh, no, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but it makes so much freaking sense, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we look at it, yeah. look at it as a corporation, as a business, don't look at, at the actual what the product is. Just look at it as a corporation. It makes absolute sense to do it that way, especially if it grows your bottom line.
1: Hey, Andrew, do you have an in-house bookkeeper or accountant that's helping you uh Kind of wrap your arms around all this, or are you doing it all yourself?
0: So we do have an in-house
2: bookkeeper, uh-huh. and we do have an external one that I just go to for auditing purposes. This I actually keep; I do it myself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take long to do, quite honestly. Once mm-hmm. you once you do it a few times, and you get used you get used to it and know what to do. Right. But I do it myself just because I'm a believer that it. You know, other you know people in the office don't need to know what other people are making. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just my my thought sure you know we've got you know people in here that have worked for, for the agency for over 30 years and we have people that have been here for two years
1: mm-hmm.
2: and some of people might be shocked by, by right. which, it's you know it just doesn't correlate evenly but i i base it on work production work ethic and you know what they're not just providing to the bottom line but other things that you know from a cultural standpoint how are they impacting us and mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a lot that goes into it. so short answer no i, I do it myself
1: so so let me ask you the next question I had for you. I had about a seventy-five million dollar agent one time I was working with and we were walking down the street one day and I said, Man, I gotta ask you a question. You got about seventeen producers in your agency, mostly commercial, some personal lines. I said, How did you come up with your overall comp plan relative to commissions and, and you know, salary plus commission or straight commission? And he looked at me and he said, Hell, if you figure that out, let me know, because I think at that time, and I don't know if it's still the case at his agency or not, he's still in business, but at that time, it seemed like every one of his producers was on a different comp plan. But my question to you is, are you willing to talk a little bit about how you compensate your, let's say, your commercial or even your personal lines people as it relates to the actual agents that are out there killing it every day? How do you structure their compensation?
2: I agree with uh, that guy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's no... Right. I don't know what the answer is. I honestly, we do. We have a little bit different deals with everyone, uh-huh. and same thing. It's at the end of the day, like I mentioned with Teddy and I, with our agreement, it's it's an agreement that you both agree to and, and feel comfortable that it's a good deal for both parties. In general, we do pay our producers, so it doesn't really matter if it's commercial or or personal lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're primarily a personal lines agency. By about eighty-five percent of our book is personal lines. Mm-hmm uh we do a little bit of commercial and we're growing that a little bit but pretty much everyone's doing the same mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. Everyone is getting paid the same of new business mm-hmm. which is 50% mm-hmm. and then we have on renewal business anywhere from 30 to 35 40%. Mm-hmm. But some have little base salaries as well so others don't. So it's just honestly it's what the agreement is between me and that person. Now right. I personally you know, uh, Michelle, who does all of our commissions, reconciling and gets everything reviewed and over to me to, to approve. I'm sure she would prefer everyone being on the same because it's, uh, can be very confusing, making sure that is is this new or renewal, you know, because sometimes piece of renewal business comes in through a download as new, or if it, you know, you, you remarket it to a new company. Well, it's new to that new company. And so for whatever reason, it comes in as new. And so she, she literally goes through and double and triple checks to make sure, but she has to know, okay, well, based on the producer, it's X. So it's, it varies per producer. I would like to have it more of a same thing across the board, but that's a conversation I'll have to have with them. Mm -hmm. And for some of them, it, it would it would require probably coming down on renewals, and I'm sure they wouldn't like that. Mm-hmm. So um, that's you know I haven't had that conversation. That's something that that could be had in the future, but I mean, quite honestly, the way things are working now, they're working. So,
1: well, and I want to speak in front of you for just a second, Andrew. Insurance agents from around the world, get your pen and paper out. I want you to write this shit down. So what we've talked about today is is basically how to get employees to take ownership in your agency. One thing that I've implemented, and I can't take credit for this, I want to give the credit to my friend and great American, Mr. Bill Butler, who is going to be on our podcast tomorrow. And I have a feeling that is going to be an epic podcast as well. I was talking to him a couple of weeks ago and we were having this discussion. We were talking about how to get employees to take ownership in the agency, which is exactly what Andrew and I and Bradley have been talking about for the last 30 minutes. But one thing that I've implemented about two weeks ago, and guys, you need to remember this and you need to write this shit down. My other friend in Great American, Mr. Mike Stromso, says this. He says, Big doors swing on little hinges. Big doors swing on little hinges those incremental small changes that you make in your agency over time will have a huge impact. So one of the things I did after talking to Bill and he does this, I just think this is amazing. And I immediately implemented in my agency, I called my bookkeeper and I said, I want to make a change to the pay stubs. We pay out biweekly. She emails the pay stub for each employee to their email address. Right. And I said, I want you on the verbiage of that emailed pay stub, I want you in the subject line, I want you to write this. I want you to put this on every single pay stub moving forward for as long as this agency is in business. I want it to say this, pay stub, the date, and then a dash, and then it says, this money is provided by the clients of iProtect Insurance and Financial Services. And I did that because I want them to understand Scott Howell's not paying their their salary and their commissions and their variable comp. You know who pays that? The clients that we serve every day. And I, I just did that, and I know that's a very small change and almost imperceptible change, but I wanted them to know that and to help them understand that, hey, We need to take ownership in this because Scott's not paying us. These clients are the ones that are paying our salary and our commissions every month. So, guys, that was just the middleman. Exactly. Scott's literally the middleman. That's exactly right. And that rolls back into exactly what this whole podcast has been about is how do we get these people to take ownership and and act like an owner, right? Right. I mean, that's, that's really the basis of, of what this whole thing's about. So, you know, I think the other thing just real briefly before we have to go today, and again, Andrew, I just want to tell you how thankful we are to have you on this podcast, would not shock me if you had some agents reach out to you to talk a little bit more about your profit sharing plan would you agree uh, that, brother? Definitely.
0: that that will happen
1: yeah that I, I would i would definitely agree that that would happen but before we let you go i want to talk a little bit about process and procedure i can tell you that you are a process procedure guy i have some ideas and thoughts about that that i'm going to share on a later podcast but talk a little bit about your processes and procedure and and, and how you know how you've developed those and if employees help with that talk a little bit about that
2: when I first came to Mapus, there were no processes or procedures in place. Right. Um, at the time, there were th- three CSRs. They really mm. weren't writing any new business. Mm. And all three had been at the agency for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of, you know, they all knew what to do. Right. And so that worked for a while. But again, as we kept growing and growing and growing, you know, it causes a lot of additional tasks, mm-hmm. whether it's an inspection or mortgage change or yeah. non-payment of premium or re- remarketing a renewal or a claim things start to you know get busy and then that's whenever people start coming to you and asking questions mm-hmm. which goes back to the other things we were talking about earlier so if you have good processes in place that can allow for the Authority for somebody to do something Mm. if they don't know what to do or how to do it. Well, yeah They're gonna come it because Mm. they don't know Mm -hmm. and so whenever we did sit down and say okay well, we've got to, we've got to put something in place because We're all kind of we're all getting it done But we're all doing it a different way if we're gonna try to scale and continue to grow We've all got to do it in the same way Mm -hmm. or else It's just the things are gonna get lost things Mm. are gonna get dropped and that's gonna cause issues and so we sat down as an agency, we sit down every week and we do an agency meeting every Monday morning just to kind of regroup and see what's going on. We have a learning session where we, we try to learn something each week and everybody's got the chance to talk about anything that they want to talk about. But So we sat down at our agency meeting and we just said, okay, well, what are the, the tasks that we are constantly doing for new business, for renewals, for remarketing, for acclaim, you know, all going down the list. And we basically, we assigned them to every, every person in the agency, had a few of them to build out. Mm-hmm. And we gave examples. This is, this is like the, the way and flow we're looking for. This is how we want it to appear. And so everyone in the agency had the responsibility of building out procedures. And so then we all got back together and we went through them and we said, okay, does this sound right? And then some, somebody might say, well, I do that a little different mm-hmm. you know, than Chrissy does. And then, so we say, okay, well, how do you do it? And then we all get and we say, okay, well, which one's better? Wh- which way's better? And then, so we might edit it or say, no, I think Chrissy's got the best approach to this. And then we created our procedural manual. And this was really big, especially for those agencies. I know a lot of agencies are trying to outsource, whether it's marble box type of company or mm-hmm. whether it's a virtual assistant like a cover desk. You know, the only way that you can be successful at that is if you have written. Procedures that actually work. Mm. A lot of people will say, "Oh, well, can I get your procedures?" I'm like, "Well, you can, but you got to do what's what's good for your agency." Mm-hmm. I can promise you, the way we do things here are going to be totally different than the way other agencies do their work. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, I want it to be different because we also said earlier we don't just want to do the status quo. Oh, well, this is how every agency does it. Mm-hmm. We want to be different. Right. And so, and that and that goes back to a culture. And when hiring, you know, somebody coming from another agency, that might not be a good fit. Mm-hmm. Because they've got all these bad habits and procedures that they've done there that we probably don't do them the same way here. But we did do them as a team, and it was a fun thing to do. Because otherwise, I was like, "Gosh, this is going to be a big project for me to do."
1: So, and do so you I do like you task do you task your agents with when, once that procedure has been you know thoughtfully put to the test, as you put it? Do you give one of those people, the assignment of, hey, I want you to create this procedure on paper or, you know, a document like a Word document that we can actually then save in our procedures folders? Yeah, definitely. Is that, how you, okay. yeah
2: so that Yeah, that's exactly how we did it.
1: Do you pay that individual or is that just one of those no. tasks that, that they have on a monthly basis? Yeah, Let's, I
2: mean, that's just something, again, going back to the culture and how you think, I mean, you should want to do that right. to help your coworkers and to help us all be better. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, look, I've got this crazy idea or this, this idea. This is what I want to do. I'm like, you all tell me, tell me if this doesn't work mm-hmm. because a lot of times I'm presenting things to the service team and I don't service accounts, mm-hmm. you know, on you know, I'm not doing that. So I'm like, I think this would be good, but mm-hmm. you all have to tell me, mm-hmm. I don't know what's working and what's not working. Mm-hmm. So if something doesn't work, speak up. I I'm not the smartest person right. out there. So right. you know I've just got all these crazy things in my head that I would like to try to do. <laughs> you guys have to tell me if they're going to work or not.
1: Right. So do you do you actually go as far as to create a process in terms of like step by step on how to how to quote a certain type of business as well, or is it more daily assignments and things that within the agency that are more service oriented?
2: Oh, definitely. Yes to both. So yes, mm-hmm. daily daily task and what to do. On a daily basis, mm-hmm. but yeah, in terms of quoting, you know, we we do have a process uh, based on criteria of, a, mm-hmm. say, a home, like who we're going to go to, mm-hmm. how we're going to quote it, and so mm-hmm. we have some basic parameters we stick with in terms of quoting homes because we do use outsourced servicing as well uh, as our internal people, so we have to have that in place so they know what to do.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well, man, I appreciate you being on the podcast today. It means a lot to Bradley and I for you to be on here. In terms of just sheer information shared today – if I'm an insurance
0: agency owner, I'm probably taking a hard listen at this mm-hmm. podcast. There's uh, a, there's a few episodes we've done with a few guys. Andrew being one. The other one was uh, Troy Thompson. Yes, Did, which it drops just drops today. And really awesome. it is. It's that practical advice mm-hmm. that if you implement it right away, you're gonna see results. But on the flip side, it's not something that people want to do necessarily. It's not sexy. You know what I mean? Like we get a we get a lot of agents that reach out to us that, uh, Hey, I'm just getting, I mean, I had one just now on Instagram, you know, Hey, I'm just getting into the business. What do I need to do to generate business right now. Mm-hmm. Well, go listen to Troy's episode. And right. he, he, he talks about knocking on doors. And I mean, I promise you, if you do enough of that, it's going to, it's going to work out, Absolutely. you know? So it's, it's that practical, tangible, Advice. Well, these know? are
1: the but the, you know, for me as a just anti thought leader in the insurance
0: business and mm-hmm. just an I insurance, love that you coined yourself that.
1: Yeah, I am, and and just as an insurance agent who right. happens to do a podcast. Right. These podcasts that we have with guys like Andrew, mm-hmm. Andrew. I'm sorry, we're talking in front of you right now, but these pod yeah. these podcasts that we do with guys like Andrew where we really get in the meat and potatoes. Exactly. Of exactly. Stuff like that. To me, those I know the, the digital stuff and, and all is, is probably your jam and your favorite, but for me, these types of podcasts mm-hmm. where people can like listen and then go back and
0: listen again and they're like, holy shit, yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that. Exactly. You know, those are my favorite I, I, I agree. by far. I agree. And and I think one day you and I will put together a series of podcasts that say, mm-hmm. Okay, if you're starting an agency, listen to this episode, this right. episode, this it's stuff you can get your hands around. Absolutely. You know, it's it's not stuff that's attractive to talk Mm -hmm. about, but if you are a real agent and and you are in this business, you're going to love episodes like this one. Absolutely. Andrew, tell our audience how to reach you
1: if they need to get in touch with you.
2: So, I mean, my email, probably the best, andrew, A-N-D-R-E-W, at com. Mapus is M-A-P-P-U-S. Shoot me a text if you want 843-714-9389.
1: Oh, snap. Damn. (laughs) Damn, My boy's giving out phone numbers. Facebook. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Well, Andrew, I'm going to wrap this thing up. Guys, listen. may not be sexy. Some of my favorite episodes are when we get down in the mud and we talk about how to get employees, how to get our business partners to take ownership. I love talking about compensation plans and procedures. One one of those reasons is I think it's probably one of my weaknesses and, and an area that I can improve on. I know there are a lot of agents out there that are probably going to listen to this podcast and then listen to it again to kind of come up with some creative ways to get their employees to buy in. But, Andrew, thank you again for being on the show. Guys, listen to me. Get your ass out from behind that desk and go into the big bad world today and go sell insurance. Rewards come from action, not discussion. And we need to get out there and sell insurance. We need to make money for our families. We need to write good business for the agencies that we represent. And we need to write good business for the companies that we represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Love you too, you anti-thought leader. Absolutely. Guys, have a great rest of the week. My name is Scott Howell, and you're listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. We love you. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at ifrotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.